Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Kalise Smith. Later in the show, we'll hear about the newborn kids' music scene at the parlor room in Northampton. It's not just, just for newborn kids. It's definitely, but, it's almost certainly not for newborn. Yeah, but the newborn. scene is kind of newborn. Yes. Totally not for babies. <laughs> and do you feel bad or do you feel badly? Hopefully neither, but which is the more correct way to say it? We'll ask Greenfield's Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Marion Webster in Springfield. We're joined right now in the studio by NEPM senior reporter Nancy Cohen, who debuted a new story that I heard on the drive here this morning during our parts of Morning Edition. The headline at NEPM.org reads, A bittersweet goodbye, 137 orphaned, abandoned black bears, Returning to the wild, Nancy Cohen will bear all about what she's learned about these bears. There's a dad joke. I have to do it. I know. There's so many bear jokes that we could make right here. But this this story begins with this particular bear rehab facility, Nancy, uh, a year ago. Tell us the story of of Alma. Alma, Alma. Well, what happened was, uh, and you're going to hear this because we're going to play it, uh, a... A mother bear was crossing the road in Greenfield with her cubs. She was killed. All the cubs were killed except one. Mm. And now we'll just hear what happened. That's the sound of a bear crying. So that's just to set the tone of how sad it is that this entire fam- bear's family <laughs> has been killed. Oh my God. But now let's go to the clip where Jesus the, Christ, the, poli- the police officer is talking about what happened in the aftermath of that very, very sad bear. A fairly loud screeching noise because the cub was trying to call out for its mother. Lagoy spotted the only surviving cub, about the size of a football, scuttling up a tree. He was afraid if he left it, it would have died too. It's such a small animal, you feel for it and you don't want it to be abandoned. The cub would have tried to go back across the road to try and find its mother based on scent, and it would have just gotten hit as well. As the cub hugged the tree trunk, the police reached out with a branch. She latched on. And as an outdoorsy kind of guy who has hunted bears, Lagoy knew what to do. We just picked it up like you would a kitten, right by the back of its neck, and got it right inside of the cruiser. And that, Nancy Cohen, is who? <laughs> that was uh, Greenfield police officer Brandon Lagoy. He and his colleague Justin Purrington responded to a call from the driver and rescued this baby well, this cub. And the cub was scuttling up the tree. And these two officers are what they call outdoorsy. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> one of them actually, Brandon said he, well, one of them said he hunted bears. Not and this particular one. Not no. this particular one. At this no, time, yeah. No, they decided to save it, to rescue it. He reached out a branch, the bear latched on, and as he said, he grabbed it up, like on the back of the neck like That's... a kitten and brought it back to the Greenfield Police uh Department. If you're not a police officer, don't try that. No. <laughs> yeah, even if you think you're good with wildlife, you could get in big trouble for transporting animals in this way. Yes. Um, so uh, this bear, which now has a name. Alma. Yes. Went to where? Well, first she went to uh, the Tufts Wildlife Clinic, Tufts Veterinarian School Wildlife Clinic in Grafton, Mass. And then from there, she went up to the Killam Bear Center, named for Ben Killam, who developed a method of raising orphaned and abandoned bear cubs uh, so that they can return to the wild. That's just standard practice for when you find, like, small, like, baby animals, in the or at least, like, baby bear, baby bear cubs. Cubs aren't babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the usual way that they're they're dealt with. Actually, you're raising you're actually bringing up an important point, which is uh, 
state wildlife experts, white wildlife biologists would tell the public in general, public if you're listening, um, if you see a baby animal in the woods, uh, don't assume that the mother is gone. Yes. Do not pick it up and try to rescue it. The mother is probably nearby. And so this baby that uh, was the lone survivor of this accident in Greenfield last year was given a name by the Killams, right? Is that who names the bears? Well, uh, let's see. Ben Killam, uh, who is the guy who started all this, um, about 30 years ago got his first bear cubs from the Vermont State Wildlife Agency, and he started developing this method. Uh, It's a method that I followed in another wildlife rehabilitator many, many years ago, uh, somebody named Sally Beckwith, who was raising uh, river otters, which was very cool for me to see. Totally. And also um, coyotes eventually, which was controversial. Mm. People don't always like coyotes. Um, but, uh, yeah, her river otter was called What What, which sounded like the noise that it made uh, when it vocalized. Um, but the method involves having one person... Um, basically one person spend time with the bear with the bear or the animal so that it doesn't become accustomed to people and think that all people are okay. So there's a clip that we have, I think, about that, too, that talked about your interaction a little bit with the bears. And oh, maybe it's a different clip, but there uh, there is a method, right? Yes, there is a method. But let me tell you a little bit more, and then we'll play the clip. I'll, I'll talk, talk us into that clip, which is Ethan Killam is the nephew of Ben Killam. Ben's been doing this for 30 years. Ethan just started about a year or so ago. I believe this is his first release that happened recently. He raised Alma. Alma was brought up there. He raised her. I came up there last spring, and uh, in what was called the cub barn, there were three female cubs, Alma, Billy, and Willa. And just a little side thing. Ethan has an interesting way of naming bears. Alma was just, there was, Alma didn't follow his method. He didn't want to call her Greenfield. But he, <laughs> he does name them according to where they came from. Maybe so, it was his alma mater, Greenfield Community College. Maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's no. good. But there was, uh, so this was Willa and Billy, and there was another named Fitz that came together from Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire. <laughs> so who I met was Billy, Willa, Alma, three female cubs, and I think we now have a piece of tape that will lead to them. You don't initiate play or anything with them, but if they want to play with you, you can respond. You gotta remember that young animals are young animals. And many of these young animals, like Alma, were present when their mothers were killed. They have to have a nurturing environment. You don't shut them off of all of that. Back in the cub barn, Willa is still wary of me. Ethan calms her with a soft voice. Alma is making herself scarce. All three cubs are tucked onto a shelf high off the ground. I climb a ladder to get my microphone closer. Hi, you want to smell me? Oh, it's it's licking me. Is that okay? Yeah. Billy is using her keen sense of smell to check me out. Oh, oh. took a little bite. I think I'll go down. Not a bite, just kind of smelling with teeth. Ethan and Ben Killam say there's no risk that interacting with me briefly or them will turn these cubs into animals who trust all people. Bears trust individuals. They don't trust broadly. 
Bears trust each other as individuals. They trust humans as individuals. Just because she trusts me doesn't mean she'll trust the guy standing next to me. That was a piece of the reportage of the bravest reporter in the NEPM News Department, <laughs> senior reporter Nancy yes. Cohen, who was virtually bitten, let's say, like bumped with teeth by a bear. Yet just, another just... way that bears are more advanced than we are. They can smell with teeth. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they navigate with their with their nose so, and, and their mouths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was last year. And that was with Alma, who we talked about, who was from Greenfield. And um, then... Just today, there was the new story that was released, and you can check it out at NEPM.org in its entirety, raising an orphaned cub from Greenfield so it can return to a bear's world. Oh, that was la- – I don't know. That's the 2002 one. This was the bittersweet goodbye, 137 go. orphaned abandoned black bears returning to the wild. You went there to see Alma again, but uh, you didn't get to follow Alma. Tell us a little bit about what happened when you went to go report at this rehabilitation center in Vermont. Right. Uh, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Right. New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I got up there. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot going on. And this is they are trying to release, I think, about eight bears that day. Mm-hmm. They do a few at a time. And uh, Ethan, who is the only one that that the bears really trust, needs to give them some anesthesia so that they can be moved. They get a small ear tag, very small, very discreet, uh, and they're checked out by a veterinarian and put in some kind of enclosure and transported to where they're going to be released. I was told, we don't know if Alma's going to go or not, but you can come up and try. So when you're in the field as a reporter, you often have to make a decision on the spot. Nobody's telling you what to do. And uh, I'm waiting for Alma. I want to do the story of Alma's release. <laughs> well, Alma d- apparently didn't follow Ethan. And so, but another bear did that I had met at that same time when I first met Alma. His name is Dutch. He's a male bear. He was found in Tolland, Massachusetts. He was um, uh, found without his mother. And just to underscore this, they, you know, they didn't just take this bear when they saw that he was without his mother, they made sure that for they gave him a lot of time without his mother before they rescued him and brought him up. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts sent up two bears this year, Alma and Dutch. And you know them both. <laughs> I do know them both. And so when these bears were brought down to be tagged and weighed, etc., I learned that one of them was Dutch. And I went, oh, Dutch, wow. <laughs> and, and then I, um, and then, but I'm waiting for Alma and waiting and waiting. In the meanwhile, Dutch has been loaded into his, his the transport system, to, into the truck, and he's left. And I have to make a decision. Do I go after Dutch, follow him into the wild, or do I wait for Alma? I made the decision to, to get in the car and drive <laughs> as fast as I could and... Uh, catch up with Dutch, which is what I did. And you can hear the whole story about Dutch being released uh, from the NEPM website, NEPM.org. I feel like there's like way more people involved in the release than in any almost any other step of this. Like you've got like maybe one or like like a small team of people who find the bear. You bring them to veterinarians and then to the the enclosure where they'll essentially be raised till they're stable enough to put into wildlife. But then when the release happens, it sounds like there's a lot 
of people and a lot happening. I, I think it's an, also an opportunity for for wildlife biologists from state agencies to learn to handle bears. You don't get to do that all the time. Uh-huh. So I think that it's also a learning experience. But they're, they, they're being very careful with these animals. Mm-hmm. And they're big animals now. They're, they're, they're considered sub-adults. <laughs> right. Um, so when, they were, when you first saw them, they were the size of a two-liter soda bottle, right? <laughs> About the same weight. <laughs> like, <laughs> the size of a bag of flour. Yes, Yes, we, we, you missed this. Uh, this was a, a big discussion with my editor about how I, I wanted to metaphorically describe it. And I, <laughs> I wanted to say a five-pound bag of sugar, but we went with um, five pounds. Uh, uh, he, he, he could fit in a shoebox. And now when they're being released, they're, what did you say, 140 pounds or something like that? He was 143. Yeah, wow. So so that's big. So it's actual size of a teenager. Right. And the interesting thing is that, you know, 137 bears is in the headline, but two of them are from, from Massachusetts and both from Western Massachusetts. That's right. Um, and then the vast majority of them from two other states that are working with this rehabilitation center because they believe in this method. Um, how do they then reintegrate after they have essentially been surrogate mothered by human, a human being. Do they reintegrate as a bear in the wild? Yeah. So the way that they're raised, um, the way most of them were raised, because they got so many, they had to sort of change their method this year. They're, they are. They spend time in the woods in an 11-acre enclosure. Um, they do get some food from Ethan, but they learn because they teach each other. They explore. They learn by observation. They learn with their sense of smell. They learn how to eat. In, in the wild. And so they're not, they know how to do this. Um, and uh, Ben Killam, the man who has developed this method, believes that they, when they're released, they will meet other wild bears, they will make friends, and they will observe and learn. And in a couple of years, two or three years, they will mate for the first time. Uh, so it's, uh, you can get a little quelling yeah. just to see the baby bears go off. <laughs> it's uh, good for my alma. <laughs> um, speaking of, you know, you weren't able to follow Alma. You followed Dutch. Yes. Do you know what has now happened to Alma? Has Alma been released into the wild? She has. Yes. <laughs> Can you follow her through tagging? Like if you, like there, if I'm presuming she's, nope. It's not that kind of tag. Okay. It's not like my Sharktivity app for Cape no, Cod? No, no. We're, they're not doing that. <laughs> they're not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Good thing, because I think people are hunters and they would use that oh, to no. different needs. No, no, yeah. no. Um, no, but um, I was a little worried I'll just say this. I was a little worried, a little sad when Dutch went off because he has spent the past year with dozens and dozens and dozens of bears in Mm -hmm. close proximity. And he was by himself. And I I really felt bad for him. But Ben Killam says he will meet wild bears and make friends. Oh, yeah, that's great. I have the utmost faith in the system. It sounds so loving and caring. That's right. Do we do we want to play any of that? Do we have? Yeah, let's do the Let's play the clip of, of Dutch waking up and being released into the wild. Dutch and two other bears are waking up. They're loaded into a kind of bear train. Three cages, each holding one bear, pulled on a trailer behind a truck that's heading to Vermont. Each one is sitting up. That's a sight going down the road. There's no big, tearful goodbyes for Dutch, even from Ethan Killam, who raised the cub since he was just a few months old. Oh, he was just a uh, easygoing, lovable, uh, gentle, soft-spoken. It's always uh, bittersweet. You know, you can't keep them. You don't want to keep them. But also, you've formed some sort of relationship. And this year, there's so many of them that it's a lot of relationships to say goodbye to in a short amount of time. 
It's bumpy, but I think they'll be okay. That's Vermont Wildlife Specialist Tony Smith driving Dutch and two other bears down an old logging road in a 10,000-acre state wildlife management area about an hour from the Killam Bear Center. It has open fields with lots of greens to eat, mixed forests with fragrant fir trees, and a few discreet brambly breaks in the forest cut by state workers, says Smith. You can see all the blackberries there, and then there's elderberries, just a lot of berries that you see growing in these little teeny openings that the bears like. Smith says a place like this gives the bears their best shot away from people, except of course during the bear hunting season, which starts in September. He chooses a place to release each bear on its own, a distance from each other on the edge of the woods. Now it's Dutch's turn. There's a nice shaded spot, so I, I think we'll try to open this door. He'll be able to turn around and go this way. Once the cage opens, Dutch leans out, panting a bit, taking his time to drop to the ground. He looks over his shoulder back at us, maybe a little unsure, before heading just into the woods. Often the bears will take a nap in the shade before exploring their new home. Ben Killam says they meet other bears, wild ones, and make friends and learn from them. It'll be a few years before they mate. So cute. Just like dropping your freshman off at high school. <laughs> oh, I'm going to drop my son off at college to the beginning of August. So don't, don't put it that way. Yeah, but they're like an adult now. It's a I've, little bit different. I've also tagged him behind his ear. He does not know that. <laughs> Except everybody knows now. Oh. Why are there so many cubs being encountered this year? Like what about the, the current population of bears in Massachusetts is making this interaction happen. Yeah, there, there were, this place in New Hampshire raised 137 bears, and they came, most of them came from New Hampshire and Vermont, a few from Connecticut, only two from Massachusetts, and that was Western Massachusetts. Um, ben Killam thinks it, this year in particular, there, was, there were not a lot of acorns and not a lot of beech nuts, and that's a really important food for the bears, especially before they go into hibernation, into, into that. Um, you know, overall, there are issues with um, bears uh, going to people's properties. And when people go, when, when bears go near people, there's often conflicts and it doesn't work out well for the bears. Which leads to like some of the bans on feeding wildlife that we see right. across Western Mass. Taking your bird feeders, don't leave your garbage out, all the stuff that you hear about trying to not attract the bears, right? And Careful. if you raise chickens, put a, install an electric fence. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. <laughs> You'll hear more about raising chickens tomorrow on the show on our local hero farmer spotlight. Nancy Cohen, senior reporter for New England Public Media. Quick pop quiz about pop culture bears. Do you watch the television show The Bear? I have not. It's excellent, and I'm hoping to get Ebon Moss Bacharach, who's the star of that show and is from Amherst, on the show. It's traumatic if you've worked in kitchens. You have to choose between your favorite fictional bears between these pairs, Nancy Cohen. Fozzie Bear versus Yogi Bear. Yogi. Okay. <laughs> Incorrect. Smokey Bear <laughs> versus... There's no wrong <laughs> answer to this. Oh, yeah, right. This is just opinion. Right, I forgot. Smokey the Bear versus the Berenstain Bears. <laughs> Smokey. Yes, because only who can prevent forest fires? <laughs> you. Me? <laughs> yeah, you. Oh. Winnie the Pooh versus Paddington Bear. Oh, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. Yeah. I might have to go with the Paddington animation that she, he, that Paddington did with the Queen. Uh, oh. All right. There you have it. From our bear expert in the New England Public Media News Office's senior reporter, Nancy Cohen. If you're interested in wildlife stuff, I know there's a Beaver Institute in Southampton, and I'm hoping to have them on the show 
in the next couple of weeks. So maybe we'll have you uh, as part of that conversation. That would be very cool. That would be super fun. Thank you for having me on the show. It's oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Coming up, we'll hear from Mr. Nick, who is singing about bears right now, and Mr. Liam about the monthly First Sunday Kids music series happening at the Parlor Room in Northampton. And bad versus badly. Which way is the most correct way to say it when you're feeling bad or badly? You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Oh, yeah, I have heard that. I just haven't. You know, it's, you're not doing it in the way that would remind me what backup it is. Backup plan to my backup plan yeah, to back up my backup plan. If you did it like that, I would be like, oh, yeah, now I remember <laughs> what you're talking about. Oh, I got a backup plan to the backup plan to back up my backup plan. Supposedly, Andre 3000 is having new music coming out. That was I'll the... believe it when I see it, because he's off being a vegan in the woods and more power to him. He was, dude, remember he showed up on a Super Bowl commercial and everyone was like, is that Andre 3000? <laughs> it was really weird. It was amazing, though. That's because seeing him now is much like encountering a Sasquatch. Speaking of which, that reminds me that I need to give you your sausage. Why did that remind you of it, though? Because I started calling Billy Tower the sausage Sasquatch oh. to Mark Latanzi. Got it. <laughs> There's a river listener who has historically <laughs> delivered um, pepperoni to me at the Green River Festival. Sometimes from... sorpresado when we're really lucky, but this yeah. isn't one of the lucky years. <laughs> For many years. And then last year or the year before, also started delivering it to Khalees, or we would wow. split it. And yep. now Khalees, he gave it directly to Khalees, but did now split it with me. So. Oh, find wow. We passed the pepperoni-shaped baton. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. I love it. it. It's not when we think about it in context of sausage Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> but when we take it out of that context, like, we don't want pepperoni batons to be passed. Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster, um, I feel badly that... Uh, we often get off topic on this uh, particular segment where you are trying to make sure that we are learning everything we need to know from our fair dictionary in Springfield, Merriam-Webster, and I frequently derail the conversation. Do I feel badly? No. Not really. I Do I feel bad? Also, also no. Also no. But which one of those is more correct if there is such a thing in the English language, according to you, Emily Brewster and Merriam-Webster? Well, it's complicated, Monty. <laughs> oh. It's complicated. Like my relationship status on social media. No, just also, <laughs> also see, I've derailed it again. Right. Feel is a verb. So you can say, I feel so badly about correcting your grammar. And, and the badly kind of makes sense because it comes right after a verb, the verb feel. And what usually comes in that spot, what frequently comes in that spot is an adverb. And adverbs frequently end in L-Y. Mm -hmm. So I feel badly about correcting your grammar. But we also do hear, I feel bad about correcting their grammar. Right. And the thing that's going on here is that feel is a very particular kind of verb. It is not your everyday action verb. It is actually something called a linking verb. Linking verbs are also called copulas or copulative verbs. You can oh do my that, word. but I know you will. I yes. like to okay. feel when I'm using my copulative verbs and I don't the feel verbs badly. Are not <laughs> I was just going to make a dumb joke about logs, and you went straight to copulas. You said it, word nerd. This is grammar, okay? <laughs> Blame the linguists. Okay. Okay. So the only function of a linking verb is to connect the subject of the sentence or clause with the words that describe or identify that subject. 
And the words that that do that identifying or describing are either adjectives or adjective phrases or nouns or noun phrases. There's a small number of linking verbs in English. Among them are some of the most common words that we use though, be, become, seem, and all of the sensory verbs like smell, look, taste, sound, feel. Mm -hmm. So each of these sensory verbs can also be used as an action verb, right? Like I smell the pie that has just come out of the oven. But then you can also say the pie smells good. The pie smells good. Smell is now being a linking verb. It's just connecting those two parts of the sentence. It's no longer about the action of my nose, really. So if you're subjected to dad jokes, like Khalees is or other people, and they somebody says, how do you feel? And then the dad joke person says, with my fingertips, you can say, no, I mean it as a linking verb. And then they won't know what to do and they'll vanish in a cloud of smoke. Most dad jokers are not that smart. That is such a good strategy. Yeah. I love that. I, I love your optimism that people who tell dad jokes will go away if you stump them. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yes, it's not the case. Don't Don't use this as a ray of hope. I clearly have more fondness for people who tell dad jokes than either of you do. <laughs> no, I have fondness for it or I wouldn't keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we can think about this. It, it's, I think, helpful to think about this. Um, linking verbs are really pretty abstract. But if you think about, like, you know, those pies smell delicious, we don't say those pies smell deliciously because that would suggest that the pies are able to somehow do smelling by themselves and that they can do it in a way that is delicious, which does not make sense. No. We no. don't say like the pies look, per we say the pies look perfect, not the pies look perfectly, right? Then they're like peering into the distance and they can see very well or yeah, something. Yeah, you've and anthropomorphized these pies in a way that makes me think of Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett's meat oh, pies. No. <laughs> yeah. With a price of meat, what it is, when you get it, if you get it. Huh. Good, you got it. I want to stop right, thinking about so that. We can say, that. like, you know, the crust doesn't taste too sweet. We wouldn't say the crust doesn't taste too sweetly. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. The chewing sounds loud. You wouldn't say the chewing sounds loudly. Those crunching noises pervading the air. Yes, Mr. Todd. But you can say, I feel bad you didn't get any pie. But we can also say, I feel badly that you didn't get any pie. Are you saying that, that both of them are equally weighted in regards to proper usage? Yeah, they're I mean they're both they are both fully established. Yes. They are both completely fully established. And it's strange that they are because it, it doesn't even need to be taught. Now you could argue that people who say, I feel badly that you didn't get any pie are actually doing something called hypercorrection, mm -hmm. right? where they are they are thinking that, oh, I vague, I, you know, I have this understanding of this rule that I was taught and I know that I need to attach an LY here. But why don't they do it for any of these other sensory verbs? Because they don't. So this is an outlier, feel and bad or feel yeah. and badly. Everything else yeah. follows the proper words that you were describing before with the pies that Mrs. Lovett made. Right. Have a little priest. Is it really good? Sir, it's too good, at least. I mean, we're hoping that she's not making pies because she has a terrible supply chain. Yes. But is that equality of of how those sentences work a new thing? Or is this kind of out of the late 20th, early 21st century movement slight away kind of from adverbs? No, this is a this is a long standing discrepancy in kind of how linking verbs typically function in this particular function. Now, it may actually be tied to kind of interesting things about the word bad. So right. in the 19th century, 
bad was thought to only mean somewhat evil. And so people were advised to use feel badly when they were talking about physical health and emotional states. And so badly maybe took on this broader use, this greater applicability because bad had a more narrow meaning at the time. And then Michael Jackson changed that all. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and then you've got they've got feel good and you've got James Brown, right? Wow! Right. Well, this is so, what guys brings me to next because the other big debate is, "Oh, how are you doing today?" Good. Oh, are you somehow an upstanding citizen that is benevolent to all humans? As opposed to right. well. So it's almost the actual opposite end of bad and badly. Well, it's- I always assume that like good is like more sentiment and well is like health. I always just say good because I feel really pretentious, like I'm overcorrecting if I say well. I always say all right so that I just land in the middle and no one asks me further questions. I like that. I also like answering <laughs> good and you in a kind of sarcastic way, no matter what. Like with somebody in- Making on, it into one word, honest, good and you. Anticipating somebody's small talk before they even begin just by saying good and you. Or if somebody says from the stage, how y'all doing out there? I will yell, good and you? <laughs> and they never answer me. But should we be using good? Or goodly? <laughs> or, well, or well? I feel like you could only really use goodly if we are in a 17th century <laughs> New England colony. Yeah, right. Well, the fact is that individual speakers have their own feelings about what these mean. You both just pointed out a distinction that you make internally. And what you say is grammatical. Lots of other people are saying it. It is fully established. It is in written, edited text. And each of them, for Khalees, you're saying that those two function a little differently. And you are not alone in that. There are other people who make that distinction between feeling well as being about bodily health or mental health, right? But about being health and feeling good about being kind of like how your mood is or like how just like how things are going. Mm -hmm. The shifts in meaning aren't always apparent to the observer, but they sometimes are intentional by the speaker. And in a case like this, you know, they're both so fully established that you can, you can, whatever feels good. Yeah. Uh, or whatever feels well. <laughs> that seems to go back to your Coppola thing. Francis Ford. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Yeah, the one you shouldn't touch. <laughs> well, right. So they're, they're not always interchangeable because what, you know, if whatever feels good there um, is an adjective. Well, yeah, it's still the, uh, yeah, it's still the copula, but well does not work there which is interesting. Well, I hope everybody feels good and well and not bad or badly. (laughs) Are you using their words in a goodly fashion? Yes, Goody Smith. Oh, no. I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to give me a giant A to wear around the office. (laughs) For awesome! (laughs) We'll give you an F and I get a four. We'll just walk around and see what happens. (laughs) Feel so bad. Next week, we'll ask the word nerd a question from our engineer, Betsy Lankto, about the royal order of adjectives. Do you have a linguistic question for our word nerd, Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster in Springfield? You can email us, thefab413 at nepm.org, or text us, 1-800-639-9120. Up next, we'll hear from Mr. Nick and Mr. Liam about the monthly First Sunday Kids music series happening at the Parlor Room in Northampton. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com.
I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. Oh, hey. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. Did you know that there is a kids' music series happening the first Sunday of the month at the newly nonprofit venue, The Parlor Room in Northampton? And joining us, the curators of that series, the stars of the series, are Mr. Liam and Mr. Nick. Mr. Liam. Hey. Liam Hurley has been a performer and educator for more than 25 years. He earned his BM in uh, his Bachelor's of Music. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> I, I, I didn't to say look, it. I didn't yeah, say I, but it. I know you thought it, which is why I'm looking at you okay. right now, radio listeners. Yes. In jazz performance from New York University, studied early childhood education at Hunter College. Liam has worked in numerous New York City-based theater productions and toured as a drummer for Josh Ritter and the Royal City Band. You know, like small accolades. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's the co-founder of the kids' music group, The Big Little and performs throughout the region as Mr. Liam. Mr. Nick is Nick Deicher, the man behind In the Nick of Time, who's built a career making fun and educational music for kids. His experience as a preschool teacher means his songs are easy to understand, and while his master's degree in music production means even adults can appreciate his well-written jams, says USA Today. When Nick merged his two interests in early childhood education and music production, it was only a matter of time before people started to take notice First, the Television Academy awarded Nick the Mr. Rogers Memorial Scholarship. I've said a million times I want this radio show to be Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for Grown Ups. Mm. Hey, too many poop good jokes. Yeah, but <laughs> I think kids like poop Just jokes, the right and so do grown ups. Yes, indeed. Not assigning this award. <laughs> Mr. Nick and Mr. Liam, thank you for joining us in studio. You have one of these um, Parlor Room Kids series happening. This Sunday, that's right. Mm-hmm. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Sliding scale tickets too. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we we want to hear about because uh, you're involved with the transition of the, the parlor room into a nonprofit music venue that's and correct. some exciting, maybe even a little scoop to introduce uh, in regards to that. Yeah, yeah. But before, let's hear uh, let's hear a song that's good for kids and their grownups, as our friend All Bill right. Childs, host <laughs> of Spare the Rock, Spoil the Child, yeah, nationally syndicated, likes to say. Well, uh, this song, uh, you might have heard a little flavor. It's called I Want It, I Don't Want It. It's, it's, it's a song you may not know, but the feeling is universal. Yes. The, the quantum mechanics of wanting something and not wanting it at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And it goes a little like this. You ready? One, two, you know what to do. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. No, I don't. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. I want a little frog, a little green frog. I want to give it a big kiss and give it a big hug. I ask my parents for the frog, they give me what I want. They put it in my hands, I don't want it anymore. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, it's slimy. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. Robot. I want to climb a tree, a big leafy tree. Climb up to the top and see as far as I can see. I get to the top and I look to the ground. I think about falling. Hey, someone get me down! I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. I'm acrophobic! I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. No, 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 no. So many different things that I want to do and see. So many different places and things I ought to be. I gotta, gotta have it. And so I scream and whine, and when I finally get it, I change my mind!
I want to eat sand, some gritty, gritty sand. It's not enough to hold it in my fingers in my hands. I put it on my sandwich with avocado and cheese. I take a big bite. Oh, take it away, please. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. It's sandy. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it, I don't want it. I want it. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, no, I don't. Yes, yes, I do. Oh, I confused myself. Um, can I have help in the room? Yes. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, 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 Khalees, can you be, I want it. You and I, one, two, three, we'll say, one, two, three, I want it. And Monty, you and Nick, you guys will be, I don't want it. One, two, three, I, I don't, don't want, want it. it. Right? We're going to go back and forth. Okay. You got it. Ready? One, two, three. I, I want it. I don't want it. 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 That is Mr. Liam. That's how you clear things up. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Nick, who are curating the Parlor Room series for kids. There will be one this Sunday at the Parlor Room in Northampton. Our resident uh, parenting expert of the fabulous 413 right now, our engineer Betsy Langto. Does that song uh, ring true to your experience with your daughter, Claire? Well, she doesn't talk yet, but I would say in terms of wanting things, she wants what other people have most. That's the best thing. You could give her an identical banana, but the other kid's banana is the best banana. Uh, wow. Magical that way. Part two. Happy birthday to Claire this weekend, by the way, right? Yes, this weekend, Sunday, yeah. one years old. Sunday happens to be the day the Parlor Room Kids series will be happening. 10 o'clock. What a good thing to do for a birthday party. Oh, you know, if you're feeling it. You know, no yeah. pressure, but great. <laughs> so how did you... Um, you, Mr. Liam, we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Liam Hurley, have been a drummer for a national touring act who is fantastic and has mm-hmm. a lot of roots here in, in the Valley, kind of getting discovered in Northampton at the Iron Horse, mm. Josh Ritter and the Royal City Band. That means you're royalty, I suppose. <laughs> um, tell us about um, your transition into wanting to do kids' music. Um, I um, I toured with them for um, nine, nine years, yeah, and um, uh, and... I uh, had two children, and we were living in Brooklyn, and it got really hard to live there and have two kids. So we moved here, and I didn't really realize how many people were moving here from there. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and this place is amazing. And there's so many amazing musicians and artists. And um, I had done a little kids' music, but I started playing at the Parent Center right downtown by the parlor room. And uh, I bumped into Nick, and people said, hey, you guys should meet. And... Uh, we look a lot alike. I know you can't tell that on the radio, but I must admit, <laughs> I mean, you were all both at Green River, and yeah. I, I remember. And I and made I, the it, mistake of going up to you and saying, "Oh, uh, Nick, I think you sent me an oh, email." Oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that was my fault because I was like, the, "Nick, who sent us the emails, right over there." Yeah. You had been there, but then you did like the old yep. switcheroo. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're tricky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, though, that the reason why we did wind up connecting was that I would have kids come up to my shows or be in my class and they would be like, oh, I saw you at the at the library. I was like, I didn't play I didn't... a gig at the library. I was like, no, no, I swear it was you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been it's been uh, really nice to work together and uh, I don't know, just all the same jokes, same kind of humor. Yeah. And uh, You're not helping this differentiation thing <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, we don't really try. We try, we try and blend. You yeah. just up the ante of dad jokes it. by yeah. like, you know, yeah. 
75 percent. So yeah. now, uh, Mr. Nick, Nick Deicher, the same question for you. Uh, tell us about how you got into kids music. I got into kids music because um, when I graduated with a music degree, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was able to um, teach preschool and jump in without needing a license. And so I was able to get Did you have a BM? I, yeah. Stop well, I had a, it. <laughs> <laughs> you got, got there. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I asking a, if he has a bachelor's <laughs> it, was a, it was a BA, sure. to be specific. Okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Safe. But um, yeah, and uh, so I was teaching, and a lot of the things that I was trying to, to teach students kind of found their way into songs that I was writing and playing with them. And I remember on my uh, my first interview, I brought my guitar and played a song about a rainbow. Um, oh. And uh, so now, like, 20 years later, um, you know, I've just been creating music and playing music and teaching. And um, so, yeah, and then and last like six and a half years I've been a parent myself. So that has sort of shifted like both the the challenges of doing music, but also like my focus and the things that uh, inspire me to make music. So, And did this series come out of the series that you did during the pandemic online through the Northampton Cent- Parent Center? Yeah, it's pretty organic that way. I mean, boy, I, I feel like every few months the valley just collapses when I meet a new person who also works <laughs> yeah, over yeah. there and you're like oh you're the guy who does that wow that's amazing um, so yeah through the parent center I started meeting folks like uh, Chris Freeman at the at the parlor room and um, the the hope is to build something every Sunday you know Sunday's kind of a dead spot for the for the little ones and and 10 a.m. you know that you've, you've been up a while if you've got a little one oh yeah it's almost so nap time it's again. almost it's nap time we're trying to inch it forward engineer yeah. Betsy Cordes is nodding her head vig- yeah. vigorously yeah. 10 a.m. is already getting and pushing it a little keep late, them up so. a little late tire them out yeah, yeah. We, we send them off to nap time like perfect nap time they are tired from the 10 second dance parties they've sometimes we up to 20 seconds if that's we true oh, wow. if we're trying to push the outer speed. limits of yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Abilities. how do you contain that much fun yeah I on my know. 40th birthday party I tried to do a 40 second dance party and it didn't work out <laughs> well we've heard about the 10 the 20 and the 40 second dance party we're going to hear we're going to actually experience one of those yeah. Oh, yeah. in the studio in a little bit and we're also hear some more music from Mr. Liam and Mr. Nick, who are curating the Parlor Room Kids series, one of which will happen this Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, Claire's birthday, July 2nd at 10 a.m. at the newly nonprofit Parlor Room in Northampton. And we will hear about the newly nonprofit status and Mr. Liam's uh, involvement in that mm-hmm. coming up next on The Fabulous 413. Welcome back to the fabulous 413. <laughs> oh, more bear songs. That's the Bear Went Over the Mountain bears. song we played earlier when we were talking to NPM's Nancy Cohen about bears. Yeah. We're here with Mr. Nick and Mr. Liam, who have started a children's music series at the Parlor Room in Northampton. Mm-hmm. Masonic Street. Yes. First, first Sunday. First Sunday. Which is this Sunday. In mm-hmm. fact, this it Sunday. is. 10 a.m. Make your plans. You, the Parlor Room has just moved to nonprofit status. Correct. How is that going I think very well. I'm rather new to it, but uh, there's <laughs> a lot of energy and excitement around and there. And you are in- officially involved. Yes, I yes. have just accepted I am going to be the director of children and teen programming. We're trying to get some oh. music lessons going, some workshops. For, the, uh, for those who don't know about the Parlor Room, it, it is the de facto home of Signature Sounds Records, which created the Green River Festival, had Josh Ritter on it for mm-hmm. an early part, who Mr. Liam played with. And then um, they were running a concert venue there, but wanted to kind of step away. I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. 
live music has been really tricky. Uh, but then some folks came together and said, we would like to take over this room and, and run it as a nonprofit. Who besides you, Liam Hurley, is working uh, on that? I have to give all praise to Chris Freeman, who's who's directing it all. He's, uh, he's really, um, you know, sort of got the energy going. He's pulling a lot of people in who can, um, uh, I don't know, there's... It's the fabulous 413. There's just so many people Is here. It? <laughs> There's so many people here who want to bring their energy to it, and he's very good at directing that, and he's pulled me in to help bring uh, um, families in. You know, there's so many talented adults who want to want to experience music there, but there's also their children, and and uh, uh, it's uh, pretty exciting. We're gonna we're gonna have some series coming in the fall, I hope, and um, the. Uh, the hope is that we get this children's series going. You know, Sunday morning is a really tricky time, like I said. But uh, You could do it on Saturday mornings if it doesn't work out, like when the cartoons true. used to be on. It's true. Yeah. Or if you do it at 6 in the morning, I bet you there'll be tons of parents oh, who'll be no. thrilled yes. to get That's out true. of the house and you know, get them be back free. to bed I don't know if soon. you would be as thrilled, yeah, no. but I'm sure that they would be thrilled. Right. I <laughs> love doing what I do. <laughs> it's nice to have a show done by new. You know? That's true. Like, oh, yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of your, your classes, not classes, your, your music series, mm-hmm. You're both here with ukuleles, but you play other instruments as well. But when you bring out the ukes, do the kids who also play ukes show up with their instruments and want to play with you? Uh, you know, show up. We bring we bring a lot of uh, uh, shaker eggs to our shows. Yeah, and, there's always ways to, yeah. to jump in. And I have had a kid or two bring a, a uke to the, to a show. I've, I've, I've signed a ukulele before. Whoa, yeah, wow. uh-huh. that was That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That means you've made it. I totally. guess so. Yeah, I love totally. ukulele. <laughs> well, shall we shall we hear another song from Mr. Liam and Mr. Nick who are curating sure. this kids' music series sure. this uh, first Sunday of the month at the Parlor in Northampton? Should we do uh, "Down by the Bay" extreme animal version? It yes. sounds Ooh, pretty good yes. to me. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Everybody knows "Down by the Bay." Yeah. It's classic. We we've roped in our, our, our gracious hosts. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do uh, we're gonna rhyme weird animals. Normally they're easy animals like dog, whale, stuff like that. We're Oops. gonna start with axolotl. Okay. But, Just to show okay. what kind of yeah. a level yeah. we're going Here for. We but, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh Monty and Calise, think of something a hard to rhyme animal. I got you. Okay. I got you too. Okay. Okay. Down by the bay. Down by the bay. Where the watermelons grow. Where the watermelons grow. Back to my home. Back to my home. I dare not go. I dare not go. For if I do. For if I do. My mother will say. My mother will say. Have you ever seen an axolotl? Uh, sitting on the beach, uh, having a pina colada and just going full on relaxolotl. Down, down by, by the bay, bay, down by the bay, down by the bay, where the watermelons grow, where the watermelons grow. Back to my home, back to my home. I dare not go, I dare not go. For if I do, for if I do, my mother will say, my mother will say, Have you ever seen a Capybara. Ooh. Oh, oh, um, um, uh, capybara. Uh, oh, uh, uh, talking about his favorite bears and whether it's Paddington, Smokey, <laughs> or Yogi Bear. Down, down by the bay, down by the bay, where the watermelons grow. watermelons grow. Back to my home. Back to my home. I dare not go. I dare not go. For if I do. For if I do. My mother will say. My mother will say. Have you ever seen, seen a duck-billed platypus? Oh, a duck-billed platypus. Uh, um, mm. 
That's a really tricky one. Well, and then he drove over some like sharp nails, and then his his tire was flatipus. Down, down by, by the, the bay, bay, down by the bay, bay, down by the bay, where the watermelons grow, where the watermelons grow. Back to my home, back to my home. I dare not go, I dare not go. Or if I do, or if I do, my mother will say, my mother will say. Have you ever seen Mr. Lick, Mr. Nick, and Mr. Liam playing at the parlor room? Uh, this, Go on uh, out and see him. <laughs> <laughs> Down by the bay. Oh, that is, done. yeah, Mr. Oh. Liam and Mr. Nick Liam Hurley and Nick Deicher, who are curating the Parlor Room Kids series, as I mentioned, this Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. It's a series that's taken off, so if you've got kids and want something fun to do with them on a sliding scale this weekend, 5 to $15 is what they're saying the sliding scale is, which is really fun. And... Mr. Nick, we mentioned before that you won the Mr. Rogers Memorial Scholarship that is correct. from the Television Academy. Tell me what this is. So um, I was going to grad school at the University of Miami, and um, I just I saw a posting for it on one of the big boards that they have, you know, like um, like professional development opportunities and things like that. And um, I applied. Um, at that point, in the nick of time, wasn't really a thing yet. It was your band, yeah, my band. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, and uh, I was releasing music under my own name. Um, but I went back to grad school so I could learn about producing and kind of have my own tools to build my own music. And um, they liked what I was doing, and they felt like I was kind of carrying that same sort of spirit of Mr. Rogers. They really loved the song um, that we do called uh, Let's Hear It for the Band. They mm-hmm. felt like the way that I connected with, like the way music is infused with emotion and how it um, affects people, uh, they really appreciated that. Um, and that uh, was the grant that started my studio, um, and that allowed me to release my first album in 2007. All thanks to Mr. Rogers. Thank Mr. Rogers. You, Mr. Rogers. My patron saint, yeah. Uh, we have to have a 10-second dance party. Yeah. Shall we? Let's yes. do it. Okay, what do we do? You ready? You just dance any way you want, safely, for 10 seconds. But when I stop, you stop. 10-second dance party! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <gasps> I can imagine after Very you good. hit 40, having a 40-second dance party. <laughs> <laughs> a little long. It is a little long. Could be. you got to know your audience. Re- yeah. Really problematic. Ages recommended for the kid. Betsy wants to know for the, to come to this thing on Sunday. Children of all ages. Children of all ages. Yeah, zero to ninety-two. We we follow the Pixar model. We try and make it fun for the kids and the adults. Uh, but yeah, definitely the zeros to to, to eights. Uh, yeah, the seven-year-olds like our music. They yeah. may not tell their friends though. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been a there. Cool for your school. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Liam and Mr. Nick, Nick Deicher and Liam Hurley who are curating the series at the Parlor Room. It's this Sunday. And there will be links in our show notes. Yeah, tomorrow on the Fabulous 413, Butcheria is not a real Italian word, but Corsello Butcheria is a real butcher shop in East Hampton and coming to Springfield. We'll talk to Vincent from the Butcheria as well as Carl Prohl from Underline Farm in East Hampton about being neighborly in commerce and community and poultry. More music with Michi Wianco and Aisha Burns from the Antenna Cloud Farm Music Walk taking over downtown Great Falls this Saturday. And our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern. Got a question for him? The Fab 413 at nepm.org is where you should email or text 1-800-639-9120. Our director is Tony. Meetings eventually come for us all done. Our engineer is Betsy. Baby is motoring. There is no price for fight. Lanco. Our technical team is Bart blending in in the wildest downtown. <laughs> now, never mind. We'll see you tomorrow on the Fabulous 413. <laughs>